0: Good morning and welcome to CCC on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, as we continue our service, we want to just invite you to take a moment and uh, pray with us. I want to pause to remember those who have faced the difficulty and suffering uh, through the devastation down in Texas. Um, we, uh, if you saw the email, we've collected some things for them. If you weren't able to get those to us, we'll still be collecting things on Tuesday. You can just, We'll have the doors open here. You can just come right in the front doors and drop them off in the gym Um, We'll send that list out again uh, to everyone so that you can see that list again uh, and pick up some items that you can drop off for them. So let's just take a moment and pray that um, God will be at work uh, through and with those who are going through this very difficult time. God, we just pause this morning and uh, lift up to you the many people who've faced this incredible um, loss. Lord, we pray first of all for for the church communities that are down there, um, as they seek to not only care for those in their own community, but also, Father, the extended community at large, um, as they have this overwhelming opportunity to do good and to bless others, and may our gifts be added to what they're already doing um, in that community as it's taken down this week. Or we pray for uh, the public officials, those that are trying to navigate, um, just helping people get back in their homes and and uh, helping those to get aid and assistance that need that. Um, And God, last of all, we just pray for the people. Um, Some who've lost a little, some who've lost a lot. Some who don't know what the future holds, they're still in shelters this morning. Um, We just pray that in the midst of all of this tragedy and loss and pain, that um, they would become more aware of you than they ever have been, God. That if they don't know you, that somehow through others loving them and serving them, they might recognize that there's someone greater than themselves walking with them through this difficult tragedy. And Father, we also just lift up those who maybe know you, but this is just a time of great heaviness, like we're going to talk about this morning. Um, God, help them to find a hope that is beyond themselves, a hope that can only be found um, in you through this very difficult time. Help our prayers and our gifts. Uh, to be part of what you use to walk them through this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we began a series entitled Soul Detox, and many of you may have heard or tried different kinds of detoxing um, of your physical body, whether it's your liver or whole foods or, or, um, you know, Whole30 or some type of diet to eliminate all the things in your body that shouldn't be there and I suggested last week that we paid a lot of attention to detoxing our bodies but we haven't really paid attention to detoxing our soul and that's based upon the premise that we are not a body with the soul but we're a soul with a body let me say that again we're not a body with the soul we're a soul with our body because as much as we don't like to accept the reality there is coming a day when our physical body will one day come to an end we will stop breathing our body will stop functioning. And um, that body will decay and disappear and be gone. But our soul, the deepest part of us, will live on forever somewhere. And so we we started last week just exploring what are some things that are part of our soul that we want to move out of our soul, that we want to try to remove from our soul. And last week we explored the whole issue of a restless soul, a restless soul. And a soul that can't be at rest, a soul that can't be at peace, a soul that can't calm down and said what would it take to be rested in my soul and I suggested a couple things for you we talked about being still we talked about waiting on God and we talked about reflecting on God's goodness in our lives and I challenge you to stop sometime this week daily and sit for five minutes and just reflect on God's goodness just to still your soul and I'll be the first to admit this is really hard I didn't do very well this week And so we're going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep challenging you to look at what does it take for you to be still so that God can do something inside the deepest part of you, inside your soul. This morning we want to continue that series. And this morning we want to look at the heavy soul. The heavy soul. And some might call it the heavy heart. Some might say it feeling down or blue or depressed. Um, But we're going to talk about the heavy soul. And as I thought about this subject, it's not something that's, for me been a struggle for much of my life to navigate feeling kind of down or blue or heavy. Um, But there was a season in my life where I first experienced in an overwhelming way. It was at the end of my sophomore year in college. A relationship that was very important to me had ended. My best friend had gone uh, into the Marine Corps and had gone down to boot camp for the summer. Um, I was working in a bottling factory where all I had to do for 12 hours a day was try to stay awake and make sure the bottles didn't fall down and jam up the whole machine. Um, And um, and I was in a very difficult place, very difficult place. Didn't have family or friends that could really talk through this with me, help me sort it out, figure out what was going on in the inside. And I felt incredibly, incredibly alone. Um, and it was during that time where God did some pretty remarkable things in my life. But since that time, I've had moments and times where I can feel myself kind of feeling a little down, almost a little blue, if you might say. Um, but there's other times where there's been seasons Not just a moment, not just a day, but extended periods of time where I felt this, and through the help of trusted counselors and close friends have been able to walk through that. The reality is depression, feeling down, feeling heavy, is something that likely the majority of us will all face, not just once, but at multiple times throughout our lives. Statistics say that about 10% of the room this morning is currently feeling down and depressed right now. And I won't ask you to identify yourself, but you know, for, for, you know the things that are going on in your life that we're going to talk about today. And what do you do about that? What do you do about that? For some people, it's such a deep issue, they actually have to have some medical assistance because their body doesn't produce the chemicals necessary for them to have a balanced perspective about life. For others, we just try to bury it, and sometimes we just try to wait it out, hoping it will go away, and it usually doesn't. Unfortunately, ladies, you're likely to battle this more than guys, Um, and this keeps growing in our culture. Studies say that about 20% of people, or the the number of people diagnosed with actually some form of clinical depression increases by 20% every year. And at this time in our history, there's more cases of what's called low-grade depression than at any other time in human history and so it's something that we are uh, that everybody faces at some point in time and seems to be a growing issue this heaviness of the soul and so what do you do with a heavy soul how do you detox a heavy soul well the first thing that you have to do is you have to ask yourself the question why is my soul so heavy why is my soul so heavy uh, the psalmist asked that same question in psalm 42 when he says why my soul are you downcast why are you so disturbed within me? The psalmist was asking that same question, trying to explore that. And this morning I want to suggest that there's a couple reasons for us feeling like we have a heavy heart. The first reason is that a heavy we're heavy with hurts from the past. Heavy with hurts from the past. There's a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Jeremiah. A prophet was someone who spoke for God. And Jeremiah was someone who wrote this book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. Um, and he wrote this book after he observed Um, His homeland, Jerusalem, the land of Israel, being captured by the Babylonians. The Babylonians captured the king and all the important people, took them all back to Babylon. Then they went through all the buildings, stripped everything of value. And then after they stripped everything of value, they burned the whole city to the ground. And Jeremiah observed all of this. And after observing all of this, he wrote this book called Lamentations with a heavy, heavy heart. And look what he wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He says, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and gall. I remember them. My soul is downcast within me. He reflected back on his life, and as he reflected back on his life, he recalled some of the bitterness and some of the suffering, some of the pain that, that he was dealing with. And the present heaviness that he experienced was because of things In the past. Those things in the past may be things that you've buried and you don't want to think about any longer, but they just have this painful level of resurrection. They keep showing back up. Or maybe events or circumstances have stirred things up and forced you to face some things in the past that you've not ever faced before. But how many of you would say, you know, I've got some heaviness today and it's because of some stuff from the past. My hand's up this morning. Anybody else out there? A few of you, you know? got some heaviness because of some stuff and you're not quite sure what to do with it maybe you are doing something but you're in the middle of it or maybe it just kind of shows up in waves but there's just kind of a weight about that a second reason for this occurring is um, this heaviness is heaviness with concerns in the present heaviness with concerns in the present um job in job chapter 4 verse 5 It was said this of him, but now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. No surprise Job's feeling troubled, is it? Job lost his whole family. He lost all the possessions. It's no surprise that Job is feeling troubled and a weightiness, a heaviness of his soul. And so what's the trouble you're dealing with in the present? Is it a loss of job? Maybe you can't find a job. You've been blindsided by a relational conflict. Maybe you're dealing with some health issues that just showed up. And you can't seem to get rid of them. Maybe you're caring for an aging parent. You have a child with disabilities. You're not where you thought you would be financially. What has come at you in the last day, week, month, six months, that as you sit and think about it, you just your heart feels heavy. Your soul feels heavy. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's part of life. You can't escape it. Um, and the truth is, for most of us, most of us can navigate one or two things that are difficult. But when it starts getting three, four, or they extend out over a long period of time, that's when it becomes almost paralyzing. So how many of you would say, you know, this morning, John, I've got some, I've got some concerns about things in the present that making my soul feel heavy. Anybody say that this morning? I'm, I'm in that boat this morning. I've got some concerns in the present. A few more of you dealing with that this morning. One more that creates this heaviness in the soul, and that's heavy with anxiety about the future. Heavy with anxiety about the future. When you think about the future, what, what concerns you? What concerns you? Healthcare costs, the economy, terroristic threats. What are the things that concern you about the future? So I don't have any worries about the future. You know, it's interesting because Jesus knew about the future, and he felt worried about it and anxious about it. Um, what did Jesus say? uh In Mark 14, he said this, when he was in the garden, he took Peter, James, and John along with, he began to be deeply distressed and deeply troubled. My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew what was coming, and he knew what was around the corner. He knew what the future held, and his soul was deeply troubled. And some of you experience life a lot like this. You know, some of you experience life where you're just waiting for the next shoe to fall. What's going to come around the corner? And you live with this perpetual sense of fear that something is going to come around the corner. How many of you say, you know, I've got some anxiety about the future? Anybody say that this morning, a few of you? That's not one for me today, but I'll take the first two, you know. I think if we looked around the room, probably everybody put their hand up. And um, if you didn't remember, you're in church and you just lied. So you can talk to God about that, you know, but... You know, we all carry this, right? We all carry some worry, some anxiety, some fear, some uncertainty. And it creates this heaviness inside of us that we just aren't sure what to do with, but it's there. And this morning, the first thing we want to do is we want to just acknowledge it. What's feeling heavy? Acknowledge it. So I want to ask you to take a moment, take, um, pull out a Pull out a program. If you got one of those and you came in, pull out your phone and open the note section. I want you to write down or type what's, what's feeling heavy right now. Everybody do that right now. Okay, I want you to take a minute. Pull out your phone. Take the program. Take something, a sheet of paper. Get something from somebody. Grab a pen. There's one in front of everybody. I want you to take a minute and write down what's feeling heavy right now. Okay? What's feeling heavy right now? and Write that down. Is it a hurt from the past that's feeling heavy? Is it a concern in the present that's feeling heavy? Is it an anxiety about the future that's feeling heavy? Write it or type it. We're going to come back to this a little bit later in this morning. How do you answer this question? Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so downcast, O my soul? So what do you do with this heaviness? What do we do with this heaviness? You know, we each respond to it differently. There's a couple different ways that we respond to it. Some of us try to minimize it or bury it. And whenever we, whenever we talk about it, we chuckle. We laugh. And other people are wincing around you because they're like, wow, that's really. How you're like, oh, no, no, it's no big deal. And they're like, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, it's one of the ways we navigate this heaviness. Uh, another way that we navigate this heaviness is we try to do something about it. You know, we, we talk to someone, we get some help. Maybe. You know, we try to take the edge off with something to, to distract us, you know. Um, that's another way that we, we deal. And, and the third way that I think we deal with it is we say, ah, it's just the way life is. It's always going to be there. You just got to suck it up and deal with it. Put your nose to the grindstone and deal with it. You know, we kind of take these different paths when we deal with this heaviness in our heart. But I want to talk specifically about this last one. Where we kind of have this view that that's just the way life is. You know, even Jesus said there's going to be trouble, and you just got to deal with it. You know, stop sitting there thinking about it and, and obsessing about it and enough navel gazing about it, you know, and worrying. Just just move on with life. It's just going to be there. Um, a few years ago, my wife Christine had a, a pain that she developed in her neck area, and she would tell me about it from time, oh, it really hurts, and I'd see her kind of wincing and I was like, you should go get that looked at. She said, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I said, you should, get, and uh, this is the, kind of the story of our lives, you know, you should go get that. No, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Well, you know, after a, a few weeks and months and a couple years of I'll be fine, now she's starting to get tingling running down her arm, you know. Oh, I'll be fine as her arm's tingling, you know, and she's getting, you know, numbness in her arm and she can't quite, I'm like, you really have to go get this looked at, dear. And so, so she finally goes to a doctor, goes to her family doctor, and they run all kinds of tests because of medical history. It you know, should be tested for this and this. Can't find out anything. And so, she, um, so he sends her to another doctor. They run more tests, can't find out anything. Send her to a third doctor. They run more tests, can't find out everything, anything. And, and, and I, said, I said, you should go see my massage therapist. What could it hurt? You know, he doesn't charge a whole lot. You've tried everything else. She's like, all right, I'll go if you'll just stop bugging me about it, you know. So she goes, and as she goes, and he starts working on her back. He, he pokes one spot in, kind of in her shoulder blade area, and she about jumps off the table, and he said, is that the spot? And he's like, yeah, that's the spot. And he said, go see this buddy of mine for about three or four sessions, and you'll be done. And she went and did that, and it was all gone. It was all gone. She'd lived with this pain for weeks, for months, for literally years, like four or five years. She'd lived with this pain, and all she had to do was go see this individual couple of sessions with him, and that was gone. That was gone. And I want to suggest to you that far too often we just assume that we have to just suck it up and live with the heaviness of our heart. But that God offers us a different way. A different way. Not a way that magically takes care of all the pain, not a way that just gets rid of all of your trouble, but a way that allows you to live with that instead of just sucking it up and dealing with it you can't change your circumstances but you can change your outlook on them you can't change your circumstances but you can change your outlook on them if you have your bibles if you had turned to psalm 42 i want us to look at psalm 42 to start out this morning psalm 42 if you don't have a bible grab one that's in the seat in front of you there Psalm 42, it's on page 452 in the Bibles that are there in front of you. And Psalm Psalm 42 is where the the verses that I read earlier. Let's start in verse 5. It says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then the psalmist says this. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and God. He goes on to say in verse 6, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. He goes on in verse 9 to say, I said to, the, said to God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? And then in verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I actually feel encouraged that the psalmist said this four times because he's not suggesting that when you're feeling bad about, when you're feeling this heaviness of the soul, that you just take this one action step, just take this one pill, if you will, and it's all going to be gone. That's not what he's suggesting. He's saying, this is something that you are going to wrestle with. This is something likely you're going to battle with over an extended season of life where you are feeling this heaviness of your soul. But what does he say to do with it? He says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You say, John, that sounds like a nice Bible pastor answer. Um, But how do I do that? How do I put my hope in God? How do i do that well, that's what i want us to spend the rest of our time talking about and the first step is for you to do is for remember god's faithfulness in the past remember god's faithfulness in the in the past recall the way god has shown up for you before now before now let's go back to lamentations the guy that saw his city burned to the ground jeremiah Look what he says. He says, this is the verse we looked at before. I remember my afflictions, my, my bitterness, my soul was downcast. Okay, we got that. Then what does he do? He said, yet this I call to mind. So he's remembering something. He's bringing something back. And therefore, what is the result? What does he have? Let's say it together. What does he have? Hope. Can we say that a little louder? What does he have? Hope. He has hope. Because, why? Because of the Lord's great love. First of all, we're not consumed. And the way I see that is he's saying, you know what, I'm alive today. That gives me hope. Air's going in and out for another day. I have some hope because of that. Not only am I alive, but he also says God's compassion, his compassion towards me never fails. His compassion never fails. God's mercy and his grace, what he offers to me, His compassion, his sense of understanding and being present with me. It never, never fails. It's always there for me. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day God has something for us that will give us what we need to make it through that day. It's going to be new. It's going to be different. It doesn't come the same way every day. But it's going to keep showing up. It's going to keep showing up. And so I sat for a few minutes and I thought about, how has God been faithful to me? How has God been faithful to me? And I just came up with this short list. I said, God protected my heart from harmful influences when I was young. God provided financially for me when I was in college and grad school. God directed my steps to the location for an internship at the end of grad school. God provided for Christine and I to be able to start a church. God walked with us through a season of infertility. God worked in the lives of many of you who came to Jesus and have grown up in your faith. God walked with me through years of processing pain in my life. God's provided hope in a dark season of my life. God met me in the solitude of my sabbatical, and God provided for CCC this amazing facility, resources, and personnel to continually see it transformed over the past three years. And that was just a couple minutes of sitting down, thinking about God's faithfulness in my life. His faithfulness. And so part of the way that we find hope when we are living with a heavy heart is to say, God, where have you been a part of my life in the past? Where have you been a part of my life in the past? And one thing that I'm learning right now, and I was having a conversation with someone about this just the other day, is I'm starting to continually discover where God has even shown up and been there in the hurtful, painful, devastating times in the past where I didn't know where God was. The reality is God is always there. God is always there there say john how is god there in the abuse god is always there say john where is god in in the suffering and the agony in the and in the abandonment and the betrayal god is always there now god didn't choose to rescue me or rescue you in the way i thought it should have happened in the timing it should have happened but god is always there And part of our journey of faith is to recognize as we walk back, as we process painful things, as we walk into those things and we see God there in ways we never saw him there before. But God is always there. And so as you remember God's faithfulness in the past, my challenge to you is not just to remember the good things that God did, but to recognize and see his presence even in the painful things that you have walked through in life. The lonely times, the dark times, where was God? He is always there. And His faithfulness shows up to us in our pain, in our struggles, in our joy, in our happiness, in our peace, God has uniquely and mysteriously always been there for us always been there you know one thing i've come to recognize is i sit and talk with people i know i feel like i know less today than i knew 10 years ago about how to help people deal with the struggles in their lives and so often i sit and listen when you talk to me in the lobby or you say john can i stop in and talk to you and i i I find myself at a loss for words more often than not But I know the one thing that I can tell you is I can tell you no matter what you are going through, God is with you right now. He is with you. He is with you. And if you are one of his children, if you are one of his own, he will never, never, never forsake you or abandon you. And so as you remember God's faithfulness in the past, how has God been there for you? How has he been there? How has he walked with you through the good times? How has he provided and blessed? How has he been present in the pain and the suffering? How has he answered your prayers? How has he been there in the darkest night of your soul? Remember God's faithfulness. The second is to do this. Cry out to God in the present. Cry out to God in the present. You're there in Psalm 142. I want to ask you to turn forward in the book of Psalms to Psalm 142. Psalm 142, just put a 1 in front of the number, flip over a few pages till you find Psalm 142. Psalm 142. In Psalm 142, David is crying out to God. And he says in verse 1, he says, I cry aloud to God. He said, I lift up, um, I lift up my voice. I pour out my heart before him. For I tell him all of my trouble." goes on in verse 3 to say, when my spirit grows faint within me, it's you who watch over me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Then in verse 5 he says it again, I cry out to you, O Lord. David gives us a pattern here that when life seems hopeless, when our soul is hurting, when we don't know where to turn, that God invites us to come and cry out to him to come and cry out to him. Look at the rest of this verse. He says, David says, You are my refuge, my portion. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. You know, it's amazing in my house, my, my wife can be another part of the house, and I can hear her ask, she can ask for someone to come and help. And the response is sometimes met by help. I'll just be honest. But if I hear her cry, like <gasps> like she tripped or stumbled or fell, guess what happens? I'm out of my seat in a flash, and I'm down those steps. Where are you? Are you okay? What happened? There's something about a deep cry that moves us to act. And God invites us, when you are at that place, not when you're saying, anybody out there could give me a hand, not, not in that place, but when you're in a deep, desperate place, and your heart is heavy, God says, bring that to me. Bring it to me. God can handle when you bring it to him. He can handle your honesty. He can handle your rage. He can handle your confusion. He can handle your uncertainty. He can handle all of that. He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. He says in 1 Peter this, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he's going to take care of you. And when I thought of this this point of crying out to him and, and what God longs for us to do. It reminds me of just my relationship with my daughter, that when, when my daughter brings something to me and her heart is aching, when she's feeling sad, when she's feeling overwhelmed, there's nothing that I want to do, there's nothing any parent in this room wants to do when your kid brings something to you other than to try to find a way to do what? Make that pain go away, right? We want to solve the problem, we want to fix it, It's what we want to do. But especially as I'm learning in this season of my life, as I get, as my kids get older, what I can do gets smaller. And so, what do I have to offer my daughter who now at 26 brings some and says, Dad, this is really, this really hurts? What do I have to offer? I just have to offer my presence. It's what I have to offer, not words. Not advice, not directions, not solutions, just my presence. And so that's what I offered her in that time of great need. And that's really the picture of what God invites you and I to do. God invites you simply to come to him with the things that are going on in your heart. You see, some of us, when the heaviness takes place in our heart, we either minimize it and laugh it off and dismiss it, or we try to plan our way out of it. And God says, would you just bring it to me? Just bring it to me. Just bring to me that relationship that's not working, that you wish it was different. Just bring to me that problem with your job that you can't figure out a solution to. Just bring to me that struggle with your spouse that you're not sure where to go. Just bring those things to me and cry out with all of your heart. The last thing God invites us to do is to trust God's power for the future. To trust God's power for the future. First thing God wants to do is remember, remember God's faithfulness in the past. And the second is to cry out to him in the present. But the third is to trust God's power for the future. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, about a guy by the name, a prophet by the name of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a prophet. That means he was someone who God talked to. And then he'd tell the people what God was saying. Or excuse me, Hezekiah was a king. I'm sorry, not a prophet apologize jeremiah was the prophet hezekiah was the king so hezekiah was the king and hezekiah was one of the good kings in the old testament there's lots of stories of bad kings who disregarded god and they worshiped other gods but this hezekiah was a good guy says for 25 years he led the people of israel to follow after the after the god of israel so he was a good guy in the midst of his reign um the nation of assyria was the nation in ruling power in that part of the known world And the general was Sennacherib. And he decided he wanted to expand his holdings and so he came over into the land where Israel was, cut off their their resources to the land of Egypt, surrounded them to cut off all of their food and water supply and his goal was to conquer the, the land of Israel. As he surrounded them, Hezekiah brought his military officers together and all the people together. And look at what he said. He said, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army. For there's a greater power within us than with them. He said, There's something greater within us than within them. He then goes on to say, With him, speaking of the, the Syrians, is the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gain confidence. From what Hezekiah the king of Judah said. What did, what did Hezekiah say? Hezekiah said, Yeah, there's some strong, there's, a, there's an army out there. I'm not going to tell you there's not an army out there. There's an army out there. And he's got some forces, but his forces are limited because all he has is his forces. But we have something greater than ourselves. What do we have? We have the Lord our God to help us fight our battles. They have what they have. We have. What God has. They have what they have. We have what God has. What was the result? Well, let me read this for you. In verse 20 of Second Chronicles thirty thirty three. 33. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out, to the pra- I cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men, the commanders, and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. He withdrew to his own land in disgrace when he went out to his temple of his God, some of his sons, Cut him down with the sword so the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all the others. He took care of them on every side. So how do I hope in God? How do I hope in God? One of the ways you hope in God is remember how God has come through for you in the past. Another way you hope in God is you cry out to God in the present. But the last way you hope in God is you trust in God's power for the future. Not in your power. Not in your creativity, not in your plans, but you trust in God's power. Not yours, in His. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. You See, God can do something about this in your life. In my experience, God will rarely do it in the time you want it done. God will often never do it in the way you want it done but God will always show up somehow demonstrating his power in our lives. I mean, think about it for a moment with me. The power of, that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that opened the Red Sea, It's the same power that tore down walls of cities is the same power that defeated the giant with a single stone is the same power that rescued a prophet by heaven and be swallowed by a fish and live inside of him for three days is the same power that fed thousands of people with just some loaves and a fish is the same power that calmed the seas and cast out demons this same power is available to everyone who's a follower of jesus to live and battle through this heaviness of the soul that we live that we face So how do we hope in God? We don't hope in God that he's going to get rid of our problems because we're always going to have something. We're always going to have something. But we hope in God by remembering his faithfulness, by crying out to him, and by trusting that his power is somehow going to rescue us, somehow going to deliver us, even if I have no idea how that's going to happen currently, right now. So why so downcast? Oh, my soul, why so downcast? What's heavy on your soul today? What's heavy on your soul today? What relationship? What situation? What pain? What struggle? What questions is heavy on your soul today? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put your hope in the Lord our God. I want you to pull out that sheet that you had earlier. Pull it out. Pull it up on your phone. Things that are heavy. Um, I want you to take the next minute. And I just want to invite you to cry out to God with those things right now. And then I'll close in prayer. So take the next minute and do that. For some of you this morning, this whole idea of putting your hope in God. is kind of a new concept for you because you've just tried to make life work on your own. And God says, I'm offering you a different way a way in which you acknowledge and recognize that you can't make life work on your own and that you need you need a Savior. You need a Savior. Your decisions and your choices are not leading you to God, they're leading you away from God. And God says the only hope is to come to me and begin a relationship with me. So for some of you this morning, today is the day when you say, you know, I'm going to put my hope in God for my whole life. Not just my trouble. My whole life. Today is the day you choose Jesus. For others... Come in with a heavy soul, a heavy heart. And My prayer for you today as you walk out is that you will have hope, not in my words, but you will have hope in your God. That he's been faithful to you in the past. That he's waiting as a father waits for his children to bring things to him in the present. And that he can't wait to demonstrate his power in ways that will blow your mind in the future. God, it's hard for us to hope in someone other than ourselves. We need your help to do that. Because we can't do that on our own. help us, Lord Jesus, to bring our heavy souls to hope in you. In your name, amen. Let's all stand as we sing this last song. It's called No Longer Slaves," And Linda's going to lead us through this song, but feel free to join her.